but it's just kind of knowing yourself and knowing what you like and then enjoying it and picking it if that kind of makes sense when you you know when you ask me well how do you pick a clinic you kind of pick it on those attributes that you would love in your job welcome back to that vet life in this week's episode we're going back to one of my favorite episodes from season one with dr crispin cannon Crispin is a vet practicing in New Zealand who has a knack for finding and sharing the subtle nuances of life that we so often miss through his Instagram account, which you can find in the show notes. In this episode, we focus on mindfulness and emotional intelligence. Well, more specifically, what was happening in vet med, which this was recorded pre-pandemic, and the potential impacts it has on incoming students to the profession. I'm so excited to share this episode with you, so let's jump into this conversation with Crispin. Going through your Instagram, I was like, this guy just seems to seriously enjoy what he's doing. You just like really seem to exude this kind of like positivity um, in veterinary medicine, which I mean, granted, like not every single day is like super happy running through cornfields kind of deal. Um, <laughs> you can tell I'm from uh, the US running through cornfields. Um. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not a Scottish cornfield inside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I have not seen a cornfield since I've been here. Um, but yeah, you just seem to exude this kind of positivity that I was like, this would be fantastic to highlight. So thank you so much for just like everything that you do post is so positive and just so uplifting. Oh yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate that comment really. And it's quite funny, like my Instagram only really started because my um to, we were as you see, if you go back to my very, very first post, it was I think it was actually when I was in Scotland yeah. actually. I think so. I'm pretty sure that's my first post. I'm pretty sure that's my first post and it was because even though I'm at like eight only eight years out. My my wife said to me, if you don't get onto like social media or keep up with the play, you'll just be left behind like a dinosaur. And I'm just like, oh man, I'm only 31, but I'm feeling so super old. <laughs> and so and so I got onto it and that's how I got into it. I was just like, oh, I'll give it a nudge. And since then, I'm like, man, I freaking love it. Because um, I don't know if you, do you follow Jared? Um, I do follow Jared. Yeah. Yeah. I chatted yeah, with yeah. him a couple times yeah, yeah. on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, so so that dude, eh, like he he just like he's just got such a super super positive outlook on on life, and you know that I think that's what I found really cool about Instagram is like we were talking like when I went to visit him in Ireland, it was like what 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 Instagram kind of brings I don't know brings to our day is that we kind of like carry on with our normal day, but we're always on the lookout for something cool to share with people, and I was like. It comes back to this whole thing. I don't know if you have you heard. Yeah, oh, you definitely would have heard of it. But mindfulness. Oh, oh yeah, that is like the yeah, thing so in basketball now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I know it's just thrown around like this airy fairy, like freaking happy, smoke some weed kind of stuff. <laughs> but like, if you if you if you drill down, like honestly, like I reckon that's what makes life cool. Is like your life can just pass by if you don't just take stock and are just super mindful of the shit you do every day and i think that's what i love about instagram so i'm always just i turn up to work and i'm just like okay what am i going to see today like what's going to be crap like either hilarious or really cool or just stunning scenery or whatever it's on the lookout for anything that is super cool 
It is so true. Just so true. Um, like we, you, we do talk about mindfulness as if it's a, some kind of airy thing, but it is so true. Oh, yeah. And whenever you talk about it, you're like, oh god, you're such a freak. You know, you do, when you say like, oh, you know, what about that? Like you walk past and like, man, that is actually a real pretty rose, or like that sunset is actually mint, or like you know, hanging out with my little kid. Like, frick, he's a great human. But it's just taking stock of those moments because. And like actually bring it to your conscious mind. They talk about, you know, your conscious mind versus your subconscious mind. Cause you might just cruise by and just be like, it's, don't worry, man. I don't talk about this because it's all in my subconscious. But the moment you bring it conscious makes it super real. And that's what I love. I don't know. It sounds so, I don't know, eerie theory, but I love it. <laughs> no, it is, it is certainly so true. Does that, does that make, does that make sense? Oh, no, that makes complete sense. And do you think you've been maybe a little bit more, I don't know, aware of the little things in your everyday since having Eli? Nah, I've always been kind of, I don't know, far too in touch with my emotional side, probably, my wife would say. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> just, just like a super, super softy and that kind of stuff. I don't know, just always just, yeah, but now you to get to be, kind of like share those little tiny moments with someone who really kind of yeah. appreciates them a bit more. Yeah, I think I think that's it. Hey, um, I always just look around. I'm like, I don't know. There's so much like, I don't know, angriness, sadness, or just stress in the world. You're just like, man, life. I think part of me just thinks is like, life is far too short, seriously, to worry about those things. When you when you stop and think, you're just like, right, I'm in vet school for five years, right? And you're like, holy heck, like in New Zealand, you're like, five years is such a freaking long time. But honestly, when you finish, you're like, God, that was nothing. That was a drop in the bucket of your entire rest of your life. Yeah, even though during the time of doing it, you're just like, holy heck. And like, I don't know, doing an exam is the biggest thing in the world to you then. But I don't know, when you look back, you're like, man, I'm really glad I partied or skipped that lecture. And those are the stuff you remember, and that's, I think, I don't know, that that also kind of comes into it. Yeah, I think so. And, like, for me, because uh, coming from the States, now being here, it's eight years, technically, of post-high yeah. like <laughs> post high school schooling in order to be a veterinarian, yeah. and I'm about 18 months out. And so I'm just, like, <laughs> kicking and raring to go. I'm like, let's do this, man. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, so I know for you guys it's huge, eh? And oh. so that's even super, super impressive. <laughs> I think it's like you when you start the journey for vet school, being in the states, you're like eight years. How am mm. I going to do eight years? This is ridiculous. <sighs> and then you finish the first four years of your undergrad, and some people like most. Yeah. Like, there's a good number of people who don't even get in after four years, so it becomes five years, six mm. years out. And then you have another yeah. four years of actual vet school. And so by the time you graduate, you literally feel like, all right, hand me my cane, my walking stick. I feel like I'm 500 years <laughs> yeah. old, um, especially kind of graduating with some of the kids yeah. here because yeah. they did a five-year yeah, yeah. program. And so they're graduating at the same age that we're practically coming into vet school. Honestly, that is such a fair point that I've never really kind of thought about, but you're so so right because I was one of those. I was seventeen and a half when I turned up, right? And then my one of my best mates was I think he was thirty, like he was just such a good dude. But then I don't know. I always thought I was like, mate, like isn't it weird that I'm seventeen and a half, just like this tiny little kid, and we're just starting out together? 
And it must just be such a kind of crazy experience for you guys. It is a little, it's a little, sh- I don't know sh- if shocking is the word I want to use, but when you first come here and um, for us, you're kind of in this like separate little class of graduate entry students. There was like 50 of us when I started and we yeah. do everything together. Like we have the same classes. Yeah. We're in the same room all day, every day. And then, yeah. and the thing is we start the program before everybody else returns to campus so we get the whole place to ourselves. It's just us in the final years. And then everyone starts. And then you get the scope of like who everybody <laughs> is. Um, and I will say that first day of classes, there's like a little bit of like anger in your heart because suddenly this beautiful <laughs> empty campus gets full of people. Um, yeah. And you're like, no, this is our lunch table. Go away. But and then you're like, okay, this isn't middle school. Come on, buck up. But <laughs> no, it is yeah. kind of it is interesting because even within our graduate entry class, there are some students who they are in um, they're like in a different stage of life essentially. So like they're already starting in their 30s, and the rest of us are in our 20s, yeah. and then everybody else who's in the five year program are in their late teens. Um, yeah. So there's this huge, huge span of like who everybody is, and I think that that's such a benefit. I think to our profession because um, there were not this homogenous mix of backgrounds, um, and then that helps when you're going out and like you're not going to interact with a homogenous group of people. So to have that kind of profession, I think, is a benefit. Totally, totally. You just have to get used to. It. Sorting out with people all walks and ages of life, eh? And that, that's what I kind of love. We, we, we were the same. I remember our, um, oldest couple were like 45 and they were, um, they'd been research, cancer research, researchers really, um, beforehand working for Pfizer. Um, and then they both quit their jobs and decided to come and do vet school. And then we, the oldest dude was 50 and he was a doctor who just didn't want to be a doctor anymore and started doing vet. Oh, that's you know? crazy. And like, it's just insane. And their life story is just phenomenal. Like, as, you know, my, my best mate who I was telling you about before, um, used to be in a rock and then gig around London, you know, and then decided, <laughs> dropped out of school when he was 15 and then decided, like, come to New Zealand, work on a farm for a bit and do vet school. Freaking, like, I just love it. But, but then again, I love people with awesome stories. Like, you know, how you started this thing. You could just stop and listen to people with great stories forever. Yeah, pretty much. I, I, I could literally, <laughs> I could literally just do that. Yeah. <laughs> so then, you did you, you grew up and you went to school in New Zealand, correct? Yeah, yeah. So, um, in a ra- random story, my my family immigrated from India to New Zealand in 1993. So I was about six. Went to primary school and high school in a town called Rotorua in the North Island of New Zealand. And then went to vet school in Palmerston North, which is the only vet school in New Zealand. Um, and then finished there in 2010. Okay. So that's my little skip through my wee history. <laughs> and so in New Zealand, is there really only one vet school or? No, neither. No, no, neither. But um, yeah, to answer your question easily, is like, yeah, we only have one vet school in New Zealand. And so that's down in Palmerston North Mass University. Okay. Which ends up being so you. So the rough thing is about a hundred vets a year graduate from there, and about five hundred odd try out. Oh geez, that is those, those mm. are not good odds. 
Yeah, yeah, they're fairly <laughs> they're fairly steep odds. <laughs> that's that's for sure. Um, so so yeah, it's a it's a fair whack. I mean, but I guess it's no different to any other vet school, though. Is that you know it's, it's grade related? Yeah, grade experience. Though I think they're they're starting to really turn more towards um, like everybody who gets the grade, like your paper just gets passed over, and then they really start to go through it with a fine tooth comb with like what kind of experience did you have? Yeah, so quite like out of, out of interest, the the new um, selection method in New Zealand is that it's like half and half, half academic and half non-academic. And so your, your grades will be worth, you know, obviously half. And the other half is like many interviews and um, kind of case-based discussions. Oh, that's actually kind of interesting. Which is, which is, which is super, super cool. Yeah, absolutely awesome. The cases are kind of, I don't know, in a, in a way kind of people, people related. So it's there to judge not your veterinary skill set, but kind of your, I don't know if you call it emotional intelligence, your ability to communicate really. Yeah. With with people. Mm-hmm. Which is absolutely amazing actually. Because like that is what we need in the veterinary profession is like actually making sure that people who are coming in have kind of some semblance of an yeah. idea of how to talk with people since that's like the biggest yeah. I think that everything <laughs> kind of like centers back as um to how do you communicate and how do you deal with people when we talk about like we were in the beginning of talking about like uh people enjoying the profession because yeah. um, like yeah. we, we had a lot of people who came into it being like I don't really enjoy working with people and then here we mm-hmm. are working with people so that's interesting that how long has New Zealand kind of implemented that idea do you know I think this is their second year okay huh. yeah yeah so it's really really well super super fresh but um but yeah the, the obviously the first cohort who got in was was two years ago and so they've got another three three years years to go before they kind of really really see okay but they but it was interesting like um when you get into vet school right there's this two or three day camp weekend you go away and it's called vet start and kind of it's a big kind of bonding kind of session with leadership communication all of that stuff and so i went to the the first one i think it was last year with the new last year yeah with the new cohort and like all the kind of the lectures were like it's just such a difference to previous years for these ones who have come in and what they meant was like outgoing communicative and kind of got on way quicker oh that's which so was cool super, which was super interesting and as you can imagine like that is totally not um research-based it's just very very qualitative, very yeah. But yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Which we all hate as vets, but it is what it is. So, so yeah, it would be super interesting to see what these these well, kids vets turn out like. Cool. Oh, that actually will be because in the next yeah. there'll be three years till they graduate, and by then they will have had. Because right now it's kind of a mix. Then you have some people who came in with that different um, style. And then this new cohort. So it'll be interesting to see how maybe they influence the upper years um, and then yeah. how things go in the in the next couple of years. So moving forward, then, when you graduated from New Zealand, you where did you go for practice-wise? Because, like, where do people typically go? Yeah, so when I when I graduated, like, um, 
it's, it's no, no difference. You come to fifth year and then you look out for jobs and bits and pieces. Um, during our final year, and I wonder if it's the same with you guys, we um, go on different rotations through, through different clinics throughout the country. Like on different, on Massey has these, like our university has these core rotations. So I went through a, a business that I'm working with now, like Veterinary Enterprises, um, on our spring rotation. And I just like totally love the people, the culture and like what they stood for. And so when the job came out, um, they held interviews back at Massey and that was the, well, the first job I, I, I took and the first job I've kind of, well, I've just, been there ever since really okay and then so but you did a little work in scotland so how did how does that fit into the puzzle so majority like as the majority of vet students will well i think just kiwis in general do oes like it's just a given thing it's just like you're a kiwi you'll do an oe at some stage and especially as vets like we just after a couple of years working We'll jet overseas to, I don't know, experience the world, have a trip around, see different cultures, different places. And the UK is such an easy place to work for us, for locums. And so after five years of working for Vidin, I said to them, like, that, they always knew that I wanted to go overseas for a bit of a trip. So they held my job. I went over for a year and a half and locumed um, in England, Northern Ireland and Scotland and went through the southern states of America, went through India for a bit on the way home, and then came back to my job. Oh, that's so cool. You really got to see everywhere while doing while locoming. Yeah, yeah. And what was phenomenal was the fact that the business just let me do that. They were just like, oh, yeah, you go, but come back. And so, yeah, you still mm. had your place and everything when you came back. Huh. Yeah, yeah. It was just, yeah, it's just an, insane. So, yeah, I guess that's been my that's been my journey. Like, so... Graduated in 2010, and then I think it was 2015 we left to go overseas and then came back. Now, just before we get on with the show, a quick word from our sponsor, which is the Thrive community from us here at VEDEX. If you're struggling with managing time, feeling like you're an imposter or burning out, then you need to make a change. The good news is you are not broken. You're not a bad fit for the profession much more likely you are missing some super important foundational skills no one is teaching at university. Skills that you will learn as part of our VETEX community. The Thrive Community is a race accredited professional skills course where members receive training, toolkits and one-to-one coaching to develop these skills. So join hundreds of other vets who've changed their careers for the better as a Thrive member. To learn more and find out if the class is a good fit for you, Visit vetexinternational.com today. Now back to the show. So I hope you enjoyed part one. Now we're going to get back to part two of that Vet Life podcast. Over to you, Mo. People in my class, they talk about locuming. And so many are like, yeah, I'd be, I'd be happy to locum straight out of vet school. And I'm like, I don't know if I'd want to do that. I think I'd want to do something more like kind of what you did. You do a couple of years in practice, get your feet underneath you, get the community around you, and then maybe go out and locum and kind of gain new skills by doing that rather than trying to learn everything in different places yeah. all the time. Yeah, that's what blew my mind when I turned up to the UK. I heard that, and I, I, I don't know, you might know more than me, like why – so many of the um, 
the new grads end up locoming. I was like, frick, I couldn't, couldn't think of anything. And my, it's just me, but like tough, you know, like you, as it is, you're trying to learn your trade or, you know, get used to your tools, let alone like just moving place to place. Yeah, locum. It just. I don't know. What? What? Why did? Why did they do it? Like what? I don't know. I. I honestly don't know because if for me, I'm like that's not that's not something that I'm interested <laughs> in doing. Um, straight yeah. off, like maybe after a couple of years, but straight off, no, 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 no. Yeah. So maybe- I guess I guess like from from my point of view, like like New Zealand wise, I was just like, I just want to like learn learn my trade as well as I can so that when I go and locum, like literally I'll just turn up to work. I'll do whatever the heck you want. You just pay me a truckload and then when I walk out that door, I'll just like flip wherever I want to go. Like that's what I love. I like didn't even have to think about stuff versus like having to turn up to a locum job and just be like, oh, no, this is coming in or oh, I've got to go and do that and then going home to have to study it all up because of, you know, cases or whatever. Like, I think that, that, that was, that was why I went overseas, just so I could go there, have some work and then just play around <laughs> <laughs> and learn some super cool things and see some real cool people pretty much. So with doing that and going around different places, not just within the UK, but different parts of the world, did you have any like really, um, cool experiences that really stuck with you? Um, yeah. And it's, it's kind of, it's kind of, funny because there's so many of them are just like i don't know it comes back to what we were talking before it's just like people related just like um so many so many people in the uk just assumed i was moldy like like or you know like a new zealand kind of native um when i when, when i turned up even though i was indian so the majority of them would just start talking about you know what it was like to be a moldy in new zealand <laughs> um, which always just, I was like, I don't know how to break this to you. Um, <laughs> but, but, but also just like, just real, real neat guys. Like my, my, fa- my favorite story was like, um, this re- super old, old guy in Northern Ireland who, um, the first C section I did there, I, I've cleaned up, did it all. And then, um, he came out after I was writing my docket and just gave me 10 quid. Oh. And I was just like, oh, um, mate, I, yeah, don't know if I can kind of take this. No one ever pays in cash in New Zealand at all. It's just, you know, it just goes yeah, out in the monthly bill. And I was like, no, no, it's, it, it, I don't want this. And he just kind of kept, kept for, forcing the 10 quid on me. <laughs> so I kind of just, just took it. And the next morning I said to, said to the boss, I was like, mate, like this guy's given me like 10 quid. What, what do I do with it? And he goes, look, just take it. Do whatever you want with it because ever since he's started farming, and I can't remember what he said when he was like 20 or something, any live calf that is born that a vet helps out with, he gives them 10 quid. And he's not going to stop now because he'll feel like it's unlucky. Okay. <laughs> and, so, and and the great thing was before I left there, I'd done eight C-sections on this place. <laughs> oh, okay. So, yeah, you came away with a pretty good bill after that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it was just yeah, it's, this is the nicest chap in the world. Like, just absolutely nicest, nicest chap. But yeah, like, like I guess those are those are kind of like the things I I, re- I really loved. Eh? Um, when I was when I was tripping around, just people wise, it's just it was cool people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that'd be 
just like getting to meet so many different people and hearing their stories from all over the world. That would be a dream. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. Yeah. So yeah, then, absolutely. So then you returned back to New Zealand and you picked up basically where, where you left off uh, with veterinary yeah. enterprises. So that is a mixed animal practice, correct? Yeah. So it's um, so veterinary enterprises. Is, I think they've got like twenty-two clinics nationwide. Um, there's a handful of solely small animal ones, and then a good proportion of truly mixed practices um, that range from like dairy dairy to you know dairy and small animals to sheep and beef and small animals to sheep beef and deer um to kind of just straight sheep and beef so it's a a, yeah they've got depending where you are in the country those are the mixes that that go on and so did you always know that you were going to go into kind of like a farm animal track or did you at one point think you were going to be smallies or exotics no yeah Real good question. So, like, um, I've kind of, believe it or not, always wanted to be a, always wanted to be a vet, one of those kids. Um, and then as I was going through vet school, I literally just, like, loved kind of doing everything and, you know, loved doing stuff outside, inside, you know, whatever, small animals, large animals, um, and, and equine. And, like, when I got to final year, there were two jobs I applied for. One was a, um, small animal, um, specialist surgery internship for a veterinary specialist group up in Auckland. Um, and the second one was a large animal job, which was the one I've got currently. The, the only difference was, was like this one, this one closed earlier and got back to me first. So yeah, I sometimes still think, I was like, I wonder what my life would have been if I didn't get this job. <laughs> so, so yeah, right until fifth year, I could have just gone, um, either way, but I mean, I just, I love what I do, so I don't have kind of any regrets in the slightest. But yeah, it could have gone in a completely different direction. Probably would have had like a really different pace of life because I think of like small animal medicine and large animal medicine. There's just, I don't know, do you feel like farm animal medicine comparatively is a slower pace of life or at least they're more realistic? I don't, maybe, I don't know. What kind of words would you use to describe those? Yeah, it's uh, that's that's such a good question, and I always do. Like, I I do think about that. I'm just like, and this is so super philosophical, but well, I think it is. It's like, is it the type of people who get into small animals that creates the pace of it, or is it the type of people that also get into large animals that also creates the pace of living? And like, same with farmers, they're easy going, but and chilled out and so therefore the vets are like large animal vets are kind of also drawn to that because they're a similar personality so it's is it kind of like a mesh of the two you know whereas in smallies you're like okay high pace they're always busy as smallies um like the smallies clients but then the vets who join who love that join into that and are that type of personality i don't know yeah that's a that's an interesting way to look at it because you have yeah you have the people who are going into it and then the kind of clientele that you have as well and then the yeah, then there's the d- market that drives it all. So, mm, because because like right, I, I do smallies and I did smallies for two years, and then like I still like help out in smallies, and I freaking like I love it. But then like by when I'm in there, I don't find it super hectic. Okay. Even though like and even though it'll be working alongside kind of another vet, so I don't know. Like 
how much it sounds so bad and you're probably get smashed on it, but like how much is it just your kind of personality and the way you want to run yourself? I know that sounds silly, but like, yeah, what kind of stuff works you up or stresses you out or do you just meet the high demand and just roll with it and therefore your like little spring just gets called up hardcore and you just meet with what the market demands? No, I think that that makes sense. Um, and I think there's a lot of people who maybe they don't know what they want to get into when they do graduate. Um, cause maybe they don't really, they haven't taken the time to really learn themselves about what works for them. Um, yeah. Like I've attended the consults in the UK, you know, and I was just like, oh, it's 10 minute, 10 minute consults. <laughs> 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 you know, it didn't, didn't work me out. It didn't freak me out. And I'm just like, I don't know. I felt the pace was just what it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. Granted, that could also just be the practice you were in. To- oh, totally. Absolutely, totally. Yeah. 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 And it's it's like, how do you find? So this would be a good question. Now that you've been in, you've kind of done locuming and uh, you've been in practice for a while. How would you evaluate a practice for what works for you? Like, how do you find the one that, would work best for you as an individual granted everyone is slightly different but do you think there's like a central idea of um going about doing that that's a such a such a good good question and i think that's a struggle of so many um graduates or people kind of trying to graduate like how do you find like the the perfect place or the place that kind of fits you. So like when, because we, we take students all the time, right? We have like the core, before vetting, you know, like I was saying before, we get massive students coming through. So I always just say like literally your first and foremost thing should just be like on the feel and the culture and the people. Don't worry about like the caseload or whether they're high up there, you know, low down, like, you know, well, high up as in like just, doing a truckload of specialization or all of that because I feel like as a grad you always come out and you're like okay I want a mixed practice I want this out of the practice I want like this super specialized place but really like pick it on the people and the culture first and I think you'd you'd win if you turn up there and you're just like man I love the people here and I love the culture and the feel of it like nothing beats that yeah that'll be the perfect learning environment then from there you can become a vet but if you don't have yeah. a supportive learning environment around you, there's no way you can possibly learn what you need to be a, the best veterinarian that you can be. Yeah, yeah, I, t- I totally, I totally reckon, reckon that's what it is. And you know, I don't know if that, if kind of that, that's advice or not. And like, maybe it also just comes back to like, I think you, you kind of said it best was just like, like kind of knowing yourself. So, you know, I talk to people because, as you can imagine, and it would be the same. Um, over there is like there's this almost like this um head to head between corporates and small practices and like some people like i hate corporates you're just a number you know blah 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 or like i love the small ones because they feel like a little clinic you know family feel and you can just get out and do everything and it's super supportive i don't know have you heard that from over in the UK, because it certainly is what comes through here oh yeah that is there's that huge dichotomy that happens between what people think about corporate and what people think about private practice, there is certainly the yeah. kind of dissonance where you look at corporate and you're like, oh, 10 minute consults. They're just trying to push people through. Um, yeah. 
It's not the best environment maybe for the client. But then on the flip side, corporate really tries to sell it to vet students and saying that they offer by kind of like a new grad mentorship program or Mm. it's like a residency without it being a residency um, in that you you get that personal mentor and you get someone to really help you learn. But what if you don't get someone, they're just kind of signed up for the job. They don't really want to be a mentor (laughs) and you're kind of locked into it. But one thing I found, and maybe someone can correct me on this, I would love to be corrected on it, but sometimes corporates then have a higher attrition rate. They're not, they're just kind of literally pushing veterinarians and new grads through. Um, I know the goal of Mm. having this kind of mentorship program is usually to keep your vets and make them want to stay, but I feel like they're just kind of pushing them through like a revolving door. Like the new grad comes yeah. in, does the program, leaves. And yeah. that, so that's what yeah. I found and here. I, and I guess, yeah, and, and I think that that's, that's also fair. Well, it's a similar kind of what I think here. And I guess like we digress a little bit between the corporates versus um, smallies, but like coming back to kind of your original question was like, if you know yourself, like I always say to them, like I love loads of people, and so I love being joining a corporate. And I was like, I just, I just like have a love for life, enthusiasm, and just freaking love what I do. And so within a corporate, I'm like exposed to so many people, um, so many different opportunities, so many different layers of kind of, I don't know, management all the way through, like different business opportunities, um, and I just revel in that. Like it just completely and utterly spins my wheels but then i also say to dudes i was like if that doesn't work for you like within a corporate you could just become a number just like that right because there's so many people so you can just become a number so so it's such a balance and the question is is like because it always takes two to tango so i could turn up to work and just I, i say this to my boss all the time i was like i was like i would love to just be a number one day but i i just physically can't can't do that like you know just turn up clock in at eight clock out of five and that's just me but within a corporate it just like honestly vibe like i just love it you know vibes me out but not to say that a small clinic is not going to be the same for me or for someone else you know there's there's one of my other mates just loves small clinic life and i'm like i, I love that he he loves it as well you know, but it's just kind of knowing yourself and knowing what you like and then enjoying it and picking it. If that, if that kind of make, makes sense when you, you know, when you ask me, well, how do you pick a clinic? You kind of pick it on those attributes that you would love in your job. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, for new grads, then it's like, how do you, learn that about yourself other than just trying it and doing EMS studies to kind of test out different things. So try a corporate, try a private, try three corporates, try five private practices because not everyone's going to be the same. And I think it goes back to what you said earlier. It really comes down to the people and the culture of the environment. Um, That's really going to make or break it. I mean, as an example, like, correct me if I'm wrong, like, you know, are you the type of person who's like, okay, you've got two people like who you mates with and you love just going over to the house like with with two people, right, and hanging out. Or you're one of those people who like turn up to work and there's eight to ten vets in your practice and you're just like, man, I vibe on having like a truckload of people here and I'll just turn up and just yarn to anyone. You know, oh, yeah. you can almost kind of see, you can kind of almost see that divide straight away. And I think that, that like, again, comes back to that emotional intelligence of 
Because that's something hmm. that you don't have to go to a ton of practices to learn about yourself. Like that's even just here in vet school, you can kind of understand what kind of environment um, suits you, but understanding how to, um, hmm. yeah, just kind of like yeah. look at that and be like, evaluate it and be like, oh, that's yeah. what that actually is. Yes. But do, you, but do you think the tricky thing is like, and like this comes back, I think we were talking about this before, is like, I know that we we did like Myers-Briggs and we had this communication stuff in my final year, right, um, of vet school. And like me and my mates were like, well, probably most of the class now, like, holy frick, where this is four hours of our life, like we'll never get back. You know, like the, the, <laughs> import, the, um, the importance, like at that stage that you put on, like EQ learning or learning about yourself or like introspection or mindfulness. And you guys might be completely different, but we were just like, oh man, I'm going to blow my brains out. This is horrendously boring and this is not what I came to vet school for. No. So is there a, cha- so is there a challenge there that like it's in the course because they know it's super important, but yeah, you don't think it's important at the time until later? Yeah, no, that is that is certainly the idea right now. I know that's like we literally we have it. We call it professional and clinical skills courses. And yes, we have yeah. certain numbers that we're required to go to throughout the year. And they're like two to four hours each. And they try their yes. best to make them interesting. <laughs> and usually like for these ones, we're actually required to kind of write a reflective summary about it um, afterwards to kind of make you think about it in the after um in the post but there's still that idea like you look at your schedule and you're like great three hours of pcs this afternoon woohoo <laughs> but i think that is something that we need to figure out how do we implement this into veterinary into vet school so people can actually maybe maybe they're not looking at it like oh this is a pcs skill that I'm having to learn today, but you're implementing it in another way that they're gaining these skills um, in an interesting format. I just don't know how, I don't know how you get, like, especially first years, like, how would you get them? Because that's when you really need to get them and start getting them to think about it. And maybe that comes back to what New Zealand's doing, where they're purposely picking people that kind of already have an inclination towards that. What do you think? Well, I think that's, that will be part of it. But then I was just kind of thinking that um, I know Massey tries to include more and more kind of vets and business coming in and having that discussion as well or partaking in those kind of um, courses. And and I don't know, vets who have expertise in that, and I wonder if that would bring a bit more weight to um, – I guess, like, you know, what emotional intelligence kind of means once you're out working as a vet and why it is so super important. Yeah, I think that'd be Like, kind of knowing yourself. Like, would that add value? Like, if you had a vet who was out four years, three years, and you had that interaction there and they were kind of part of your role play or whatever, like, do you think that would kind of help you get up and listen or kind of open up ears and just be like, oh, well, if this dude's coming in and having a chat or this girl's coming in, must it, there's got to be some importance to it i think so i think if you if you brand it in such a way that maybe it's someone that these students already look up to that's the beauty of social media is you can kind of mm. take someone take someone's practice and like highlight it and make people excited about it 
And then um, maybe students, they, when they come and they listen, they're like, oh, this maybe they're not taking away from it the specifics of the emotional intelligence, but they're taking away like how this person, the stories of how this person interacts with their clients and mm. how that all works and it influences their choices then. And then it slowly builds because it's not going to be like one kind of lecture and suddenly the world opens up and you understand how to talk to people. No, um, that would be fantastic. But <laughs> No, no. But if it's all the way through, you know, I, I don't know, you know. I think it what what that kind of looks like. But. Yeah, because it's it's a muscle. You have to you have to work it. You have to stretch it. Um, and so I think it would have to be something that they start in year one, not in year four or five, um, mm. and kind of grow it grow it that way. And that's a wrap on today's episode of That Vet Life Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now, before you go, I have a quick request. Now, podcasts and communities, they grow the best and they grow the biggest when the members spread the word. So if you know someone who you think needs to hear this episode, or if you found value in this episode and want to share it, go ahead and share this with your friends. And also, don't forget to head over to vedexinternational.com and enroll in the VEDEX community for free to get access to a bonus version of this show. You'll also get some free swag and many, many other amazing benefits. Also, leaving a review of the show on iTunes would be greatly appreciated because, again, it just helps get the word out. But until next time, y'all, I hope you enjoyed this episode of That Fat Life. <laughs>